Welcome to Maranatha Teaching Podcast. I'm your host, Femi Fenoyo. We have joined a series that I've been doing on Maranatha YouTube teaching channel titled The Bible. We have joined the series at the beginning of another season, which we have titled The Story of the Whole Bible. So chapter one of our story is about the creation. God created the world. And chapter two of our story is the fall and the fallout, which is recorded for us exclusively in the book of Genesis chapter three. So we've come to the end of the story of the fall and the fallout. We've looked at the last few verses in the third chapter of the book of Genesis. And um, in this chapter two of our story, which is the story of the fall and the fallout, number one, we saw that Adam and Eve rebelled against God. God came and God judged them because they broke his covenant. God passed judgment on them. And the eventual result of that is that they were ejected from the Garden of Eden. They were ejected as it were from the temple of God. And God prevented them from way back to the tree of life. So as we concluded our teaching last time, we raised two questions that we need to answer before we can move on to the next stage of our story. The first question is, where is the Garden of Eden now? The second question is, how did the sin of Adam and Eve and the punishment for their sin, how does that affect humanity? And how does that affect humanity in general? This is the, you know, thorny and contentious concept of what is normally called the original sin. Okay, the original sin. So we are going to look at that, but today we are going to look at the first question today. That is the question of the location, the present location of the Garden of Eden. Where is the Garden of Eden now? Let us read Genesis chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 8 to 10, and then we jump down to verse 15. Genesis chapter 2, verse 8 to 10. And then verse 15, And the Lord God planted a garden, eastward in Eden, and there he put the man, and I dare say the woman whom he had made, because sometimes God used the word man generically for both Adam and Eve. Verse 9, And out of the ground made the Lord to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food for the tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Verse 10, And a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it was parted and became four heads. Let's drop down to verse 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. So God planted the garden. And when you go back to episode 173 of our teaching, we learned that in the Bible, the name Eden is often used in plural form. I'm just going back just a quick review okay and we said that word eden actually means delight delight now eden was a place eden was a physical place eden was a real place that just as real as the fact that there was a tree of life and a tree of knowledge of good and evil in that garden just as real as that eden truly existed as one time because the bible says god and the lord god planted a garden eden was not metaphorical. It was not a myth. Eden was not a just let, let us assume or just a make-believe place. Eden was a real place, was a physical place, was a specific place. Eden was the name of a real garden that housed 
the false human. You may say, well, all that is well and good, but if Eden was real, where is the garden of Eden now? Now, that's the question, isn't it? Technology is now so advanced, so can we find that exact location of the Garden of Eden? We now have the tool. We, have, we now have the capacity to locate anything with the type of tools that is our, at our disposal today. Now that I insist and establish the fact that there was a place called Eden, can we, with our capacity, can we locate, can we find the exact location of the Garden of Eden? Because wouldn't that be cool? If we can find the Garden of Eden, I mean, today we've been finding all sorts of biblical sites and locations by archaeological findings. Can we do that with Eden? First, it is clear from the account of Genesis chapter 3. When you read the account of Genesis chapter 3, and then when you read the account of the rest of biblical revelation, it is very clear that after God expelled Adam and Eve from the Garden of Eden, it did not expect and he did not intend for human to locate or discover or return to the physical garden of Eden. Now for a start, for Adam and Eve, who obviously knew the exact location of Eden Garden, God himself blocked their way back to the back to the garden. Remember, remember God put the cherubims and the flaming sword to actually stop them. Now God did not wipe away their mind or their consciousness or their intelligence. They could have really gone back, but God blocked their way. So for a start, God actually physically himself blocked Adam and Eve from returning back. Indeed, Indeed, the the revelation of the scripture is that we will be going back to an Eden. We will be going back to a garden of delight, a garden of pleasure, a garden of luxury, a garden of happiness. It is true because we've seen that in our previous teaching, isn't it? That the revelation, Genesis started with a garden and revelation, the book of Revelation ended up in a garden. So it is true that we are returning to an Eden, but... We are not returning to that same. We are not returning to that first. We are not returning to that physical garden of Eden that we read in Genesis chapter 3 or in Genesis chapter 1 to 3. That first Eden, Eden garden, is only a type, is only a shadow of the last Eden, just like the first Adam was a type and a shadow of the last Adam. Amen. Yes. Yes. Even though there is no scriptural evidence to suggest that the garden of eden was destroyed and removed no scriptural evidence for that but it is clear that we will not be able to locate the exact location of that first eden we need to understand that the first eden has served its purpose it has no direct it has no further direct use in the unfolding story of our redemption the garden of eden was affected by the fall just like every other real estate on earth and as such equally stands in need of redemption therefore discovering the first eden will serve no other purpose than only to feed human ego or even lead to idolatry when we're in episode 144 we actually look at the propensity for human to cause things to become an idol if we discover the garden of eden today how lucrative a business of pilgrimage to the garden of eden will be Okay, how much money some people will make out of that? I mean, look at the excesses of Christmas celebration. Look at the excesses of visit to the Holy Land. I mean, Christmas celebration is good. We've just been through that. Visiting to the Holy Land is good. But you will be surprised at how some of these things has become an idol to some people. 
We are not talking about taking away Christmas. We've, we've, we've been through that. We are not talking about taking away visit to the Holy Land. It's just that oftentimes we turn this good thing into an idol worship. Now, many have claimed that they found the Garden of Eden. So if, if you read history, and we have many, many people over the years that have claimed that they have found the Garden of Eden. And the question is, are there any integrity in these claims? Are there any integrity? Are, we, are there any truth to this claim? Most of these discoveries are based on looking at the names of places, names of objects that was mentioned in Genesis chapter 2 account, and they use it as key to work out today's location of the first garden. Now, I've not really read all those names. So let's read Genesis chapter 2 now. I read up to verse 10 and I jumped to verse 15. Now I'm going to read verses 10 to 14 because I want you to see some of those names now. So I'm going to read Genesis chapter 2 verses 10 to 14. And the river went out of Eden to water the garden and from there it was parted and became into forehead. Now these rivers and and the other thing that is going to be mentioned about them will be important. Verse 11, the name of the first is Pison. That is it which compasses the whole land of Avila and where there is gold. And then the gold of that land is good. There is Bedlenium and Oinstone. Verse 13, and the name of the second river is what? Gihon. The same is it that compasses the whole land of Ethiopia. Number verse 14, and the name of the third river is Edakel, and that is it which goeth forth towards east of Assyria, and the fourth river is Euphrates. So the question is, this methodology, okay, um, that depends on taking these rivers, okay, and all the associated names and all the associated, you know, places they flow into and the precious elements and matter that is that is surrounding them, will this methodology actually yield us a dependable result or will it be a rabbit hole? Will it cause a false result? The answer is, and I'm going to give you the answer before we explain, the answer is for obvious reason, this approach is bound to fail. Okay? And this is what most people have used to try and say that they have located the first Eden. But this approach, for obvious reason that I'm going to be looking at, is bound to fail or at best, is going to yield false result and outcome. And that is why all this attempted effort at locating the first Garden of Eden put it in different locations. People have come out with various locations claiming that that is the original location of Eden because their primary premises and their methodology were faulty. And that is why people come up with various options, alternative of where this garden is. Now, there are three problems with this methodology, and I'm going to put them on three headings. Now, that the first challenge and the first problem with this methodology, obviously, is the question of the flood in Noah's day, the effect of the Noah's flood. Number two is what I term archaeological blind spot. I will explain. And number three is the problem of all these names of objects and places and rivers that we have read in this Genesis chapter 2, verses 10 to 14. Now, all of these things goes into each other, but we are going to look at them one by one. Let's look at the Noah's flood, the flood in Noah's day. Now, obviously, we are still going to come to talk about the flood of Noah. We are still going to look at that because this is also an essential part, isn't it, of the story that we are looking into. So in future teaching, we're still going to come and do a detailed study on 
Noah's flood. Genesis 7, 19, and the waters prevailed. Remember, this is the Noah's flood. And the waters prevailed exceedingly upon the earth and all the high hills that were under the whole heaven, that were under the whole heaven were covered. Now, that is very, very important. <laughs> all the high hills. Number one, he said that it prevailed over the whole earth. All the high hills that were under the whole heaven were covered. Verse 23, and every living thing was destroyed which was upon the face of the ground, both man and cattle and the creeping things and the fowl of the heaven, and they were destroyed from the earth. And Noah only remained alive and did that what with him in the ark. Verse 24, and the waters prevailed upon the earth and hundred and fifty days. Now, we're not going to go into the detail of what is going on here, but you can see how complete this catastrophe was. Okay. Okay, and this is very, very important. Now, what we read there about the water prevailing upon the earth and covering everywhere, that included the physical garden of Eden. And this is very, very important. What, what happens when there is a major flood? What do major flood do? They erode the land surface in one area and they redeposit those sediments and elsewhere. That is what happened. In a flood. And biblical Noah's flood covered the planet in scales and intensity far beyond any other flood that we have in history. Flood will erode, will carry, you know, the, the surface of a ground, will carry a lot of erosion and will move the surfaces of a place and will deposit them as a sediment somewhere else. So, the flood in the days of Noah will have totally restructured the surface of the globe. And this is very, very important. So that what the terrain and the topography and the geography that we have now will, does not bear any resemblance to the pre-flood world. Again, as I said a moment ago, that world, that world of Noah is gone and is gone forever. So through the flood in Noah's day, everything was destroyed. No place on earth, including Eden Garden, survived. No place on earth survived. Not the Garden of Eden. That world was gone, and that world was gone forever. Now, Second Peter chapter 3, verses 5 to 7 tells us something that is interesting. He said, for this, they willingly are ignorant of that the word of God that by the word of God, the heavens were full and the earth standing out of water and in water. Verse 6 is where I'm going. And whereby the world that was then was being overflowed with water perished. And this is very, very important. So first, Second Peter 3, 6 tells us, this is a commentary of what we have just read in Genesis chapter 7. It said that world being overflowed with water perished. So that world was gone. That world was destroyed and that world was gone forever. And that included the Garden of Eden, wherever the original Garden of Eden is today. The location, it will be lying deep. Underneath many thousands of feet of thick flood strata containing billions of fossils. God knows where the Garden was originally located. Let's imagine that we, we can know where it is, which we cannot. It will be buried so deep, thousands and thousands and thousands of feet deep under this thick flood strata containing these billions and billions of fossils. 
But the question then you can ask me is about can archaeology help us? So if it is somewhere and it is buried deep and deep and deep, that can archaeology help us? Let us say we dig through, through these thousands of feet of thick flood strata that I mentioned that contains this billion of fossils. Isn't that what archaeology do? Can they not just dig into and then locate for us where the Eden Garden is? Well, there are two problems with that. <laughs> okay, the first question is, where do we start digging? We are not going to dig throughout the whole world. Where do we start digging? Well, we'll return to this question in the third section. But the second problem is, how do we know when we do reach the Garden of Eden strata? How do we know that we have reached the Garden of Eden? This is the second issue that I call the archaeological blind spot. Why? Because we are not told of any permanent structure or object to look for that are peculiar to Eden civilization. It's not as if we are digging through, we will know when we get to the Garden of Eden because, well, if you find this, then that is the Garden of Eden. You know, that is the spoon that Eden used or that is <laughs> Adam's toothbrush or something. There is, there is no object, there is no structure, there is no object that will point us that when we see it, for example, when people were digging for Sodom and Gomorrah, you know because of what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, the type of intense fire that burnt them that gives you an indication that when you see this sign it's a sign of an intense heat that happened suddenly now you can begin to say could this be Sodom and Gomorrah the site of Sodom and Gomorrah but you don't have such we don't have such that will point us to the garden of Eden so even if we do start digging there is this archaeological blind spot that we don't know what we are looking for there is no structure, there is no object that will point us to the peculiar location of Eden Garden. But you may say, but we know where to dig. Okay, we know where to dig, but there are issues with that. Remember what I said, I did say earlier that we don't know where to dig, but you, you can counter that and say, well, we know where to dig. Mm, really, how do you know where to dig? Well, there are two rivers that were mentioned in Genesis chapter 2. And this feeding into my third section. There were two rivers mentioned in Genesis chapter 2, verses 10 to 14 that are well known. You remember it measured four rivers now. Two of those we are not very sure of. <laughs> okay, but there are two of them that are still well known. There's the river that is called Hedekel in King James. Actually, in modern translation, that is the river called Tigris. And then there's the river Euphrates. Okay, actually... There are rivers today, there, is, there are two rivers today that goes by that name. There are, we, today we still have river Tigris and we still have river Eucrates and we can trace them both to their source, even today. So somebody can then say, look, we have two of those rivers, we can trace them to their source. If we do that, the Garden of Eden will be somewhere in that vicinity and we just need to start digging and drilling and somehow with, <laughs> with good luck we can get to the Garden of Eden. Well, good luck with that. <laughs> Yes, it is true that Genesis chapter 2 verse 10 says that a river went out of Eden to water the garden and from there it was parted to become into four heads. So we, we did mention that. But there are some bottlenecks to this now. The first bottleneck with this scenario is what we have discussed earlier, the problem of erosion and sedimentation. Okay, okay. I mean, the whole erosion and sedimentation that has gone on. But we've mentioned that. But let's go on to the second problem. The second problem is that alongside our confusion about the other two rivers, we don't know about Pishon River, we don't know about Gihon River, we are confused about what they are. 
The problem, the real problem is that our modern day river Tigris and river Euphrates cannot be the same river that is named for us in Genesis chapter 2, verses 10 to 14. Give it a thought. Those two rivers cannot be the same because these two rivers we are talking about today, they are on top of these debris of sedimentation. So the two rivers that we call Tigris today and the and Euphrates, those two rivers cannot be the same. Why? Because the catastrophic flood of Noah's day will have changed topography. So these two rivers that we are talking about, they couldn't be the same river that Genesis chapter 2 was talking to us about. So Tigris and Euphrates river were probably named after the original pre-flood rivers. That's the point. And we all do this, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's always quite interesting that when you go to America, you will see many, many names in America that were actually from England because the settlers from the British Isle to America, they f- apply familiar names to many places in their new world. And that is why you will hear names like England, like Newcastle in America. Why? Because people move from the English British Isle, they move to America and they just call places there with names that they were already familiar with. And that is the same thing that when Noah and his family, when they came out of the boat, and after everything settled down, when they then encountered these rivers, the present-day river Tigris and the present-day river Euphrates, after they left the ark, they just naturally just named those rivers after rivers after the names that they were already used to. Okay, now when you read the scripture, the Bible actually tells us that after the fall, the survivor moved to the plain of Shinar. Now, when you read, let me let me do that before we go. When you read the book of Genesis chapter 11, now this was just before the Tower of Babel, okay? Genesis chapter 11 verses 1 to 2 says, And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of world, Shinar, and they dwell there. Now, again, we are not talking about the Tower of Babel today, but this is very, very important for us to understand this. The Bible says that the survivor, when they moved, they came to this plain of Shinar. Actually, that is Babylonia. That place called the plain of Shinar is Babylonian. And this is where we find our current day rivers, Tigris and Euphrates. You can see that when they came out of the ark, as the family of Noah moved out, they encountered these rivers. And this river were in this place, in this plain of Shinar. And they, this descendant, they will have given these familiar names to these new rivers and places that they encountered. So, what we have said here is we cannot, it is impossible for anybody to locate the location of the first Eden. And that is not necessary because that first Eden has served its purpose. We will be returning to an Eden quite all right, but we are not returning to that first Eden. We are returning to a new Eden, which will be located in the new heaven and the new heart. Praise the Lord. Now, <laughs> next teaching by God's grace, we'll look at this thorny and contentious concept of original sin. Now, if you are listening to me today, there's a journey. Okay, it's a journey that every human is taking, but the destiny depends on the decision that you and I make on this earth. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. So today you and I can decide where we want to spend eternity. 
Either we want to spend it with God and you cannot get into God's family unless he adopts you. And the only way to do that is for you to become, is to, to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And then you'll be born again. That is what it means to be born again. It's not a gushy fushy for you. You need to be born into God's family. And the only way through that is the cross. You know, the way of birth is always turbulent. It's always painful. It involves shedding of blood. And God did that for you on the cross so that you, can, you and I can be born again and become a member of his family. And then when this is all over, you'll spend eternity with him in the new heaven and the new world. You do it today because tomorrow may be too late. We sincerely invite you to check out our teachings on YouTube Maranatha Teaching Channel. They will bless you. Thank you.